Hey guys, it's your girl E. I am back with another podcast. Today's topic is going to be called Releasing the Strongholds from Your Mind. Releasing the Strongholds from Your Mind. Now, when I was studying this topic again, I always tend to ask God, why is it that you want me to release this topic? And I don't ask this in a condescending way. I don't ask this towards God in a uh, disobedient way. But me, I try to I try to get the why behind what I try to ask God. Okay, what what is the purpose? What what is the significance? So that way I can understand and I can piece everything together. So that way I'm understanding what it is that He has me give to you and why. So as I was thinking about it, as I was thinking about the message that God wanted me to give to you, it, it's along the lines of some of the the previous um, podcasts that I've been talking about. And God says it all goes together. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, if you look at it, the topic of forgiveness, the topic of um, dealing and healing from church hurt, um, the, uh, the the previous topic of um, just uh, getting over the things in your past, and now this topic, releasing the strongholds from your mind. I said, how does all of this work together? And God said that these topics, these last few um, podcast episodes that I have you doing, if you look at it as a whole, all of these things is helping someone become free. Because it's not just in one area that you have to become free and then you're free. He said that it's multiple steps and multiple areas and multiple healing journeys that you have to go on in order to be whole, in order to be complete. Not fully because none of us is going to be fully healed and fully complete until the day that God calls us home and until we see uh, heaven, which is what we call glory. But while we're on this earth, we're going to have to go through some things. We're going to have to forgive, right? That's the first step. That's that's the key to open up the, the gate to healing. The second step is that you're going to have to, to heal from all of the debris and everything that was left over from the things that you had to go through, right? And then sort of the third step is that once you're on your healing journey from your, your healing phase, in which you're probably going to be going through for the rest of your life, God says that the one thing that you have to deal with after forgiveness and along your healing journey, he says, is that your mind is going to have to become aligned with his. Your mind is going to have to become more Christ-like in order for you to be successful. And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, okay, I get what you're saying, but break it down for me a little bit better. When you think about it, right? When you forgive someone, when you forgive a group of people, when you begin your healing journey, how is all of that possible? When you think about it, your mind has to be in a certain state in order for you to follow it. There's a saying where the the mind goes, the man follows, and that's true. Have you ever been so hungry and you thought about uh having a, a chocolate chip cookie after a meal. 
And no matter how much of a diet you are on, the more you kept thinking about that chocolate chip cookie, and the more you kept telling yourself no, the more you wanted it. And eventually, you would go and get that chocolate chip cookie. Why? Because you thought about it so much to the point to where you really felt like it was yours. You had to have it. Because your mind kept saying, go get this chocolate chip cookie. And eventually, you ended up getting it. Why? Because where the mind goes, the man follows. So God told me that the third step, which is kind of along the lines of your healing journey, God says, my people have to release a lot of the strongholds from their minds. As God has me do the last few uh, episodes of my podcast of season five, God really has me on this healing journey with you guys, and he really has me on this journey of giving you the things and then giving you the tools and giving you a little bit of tidbits that's going to help you become a freer person, that's going to help you become a better person, because God says that he doesn't want to see his people in bondage anymore. He doesn't want to see his people bound anymore, knowing that he has the power to free them. But God is saying, you have to come to me and you have to come to me willingly. Why? Because God says that he knows that in his lifetime that you're going to go through some things. But he says that you have to be free in your mind in order to experience the fullness of God. In order to experience the blessings of God. In order to experience the better part of your life. During our Christian work, we'll go through a lot of things and we'll go through a period of time where we may even feel like, man, I'm on this healing journey. I forgave, but I still feel like there's a part of my life that maybe, maybe God isn't fully there. Or it could be that you forgave and you trust God a little bit, but you don't trust him in all areas of your life. Why? Because God is saying that there are certain things in your mind that you have to, to tear down. God said you got to tear down the walls. God is saying, and this is another tidbit that God gave me. He said, The things that you survive and the things that help you survive as a child will be the very same things that will kill you as an adult. And then I thought about it and I was like, God, what do you mean? The things that help a kid survive will be the same things that will kill them as an adult. I said, what do you mean? Break it down for me. God says this. He says, look at David. Look at Moses. Look at a few other people in the Bible. And he said, look at their childhood. Look at what I allowed them to go through. Look at what I allowed them to use for the betterment of my glory. But look at those same actions and watch as an adult. It could have killed them. It could have took them out. But God said, if it wasn't for my grace, they would have been dead. Now, did it block a lot of blessings in their life as they got older with that saying? 
survival techniques just as did, and I'll go over those. God is saying, as you're on your healing journey, the things that are in your mind that is blocking your blessings, the walls that you have built up, the anger, the resentment, the memories, the muscle memory. God is saying, you got to get rid of it. You got to put it down. He says, you got to grow. You got to overcome this. God is saying, I'm giving you the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome all of these things. But God is saying, the only way that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to help you is if you surrender. And I know that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a touchy word, that word surrender. But God is saying, he may have allowed you to get away with it for a little bit, but God is saying, eventually he's going to require more of you, more of you. To where the things that you used to get away with and used to get by with God says, I'm not going to allow that anymore. And it's not that God didn't love you before as he does now. God is saying, I knew you didn't know back then. I know you didn't know then what would it all would become. But God is saying, I gave you the grace then. But God is saying, it's not that I don't love you enough to not give you grace now. But God is saying, I've been with you long enough. You know me by now. I know by now that you know and you have the necessary tools that you need to grow and develop to become a better Christian. God says, even though in my word I say, all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord, who walk according to his purpose and his will. God is saying, I can make it all work together for the good, but God is saying, eventually, Eventually, some of the stuff you got to put down. Because God is saying, yeah, I can make it work for my good. I can make it work for your good. But God is saying, what about the fact that I want you to become a better person? God says, I don't want you to always remain a baby Christian. God is saying, I don't always want you to be uh, a teenage Christian uh, in the spiritual realm. God is saying, I, I have more than enough power. Jesus died too hard on a cross for you to sit here and live a life of just getting by. God says, I want you to live a full, powerful life in Jesus Christ. But God is saying, in order for you to do that, you've got to put away certain things. And you may be thinking, well, what is that? Like I was saying before. You gotta put off the old man and put on the new man. You gotta put down the anger. You gotta put down the walls that you built. You, you gotta put down the egotisticalness. You gotta put down the pride. You gotta put down the arrogance, the cockiness, or whatever else it is that is of the flesh. And I'll go back to to when God put it on my heart of of Moses and David. God said, the things that you survive as a kid and what helped you to survive as a kid so that it would kill you as an adult 
when he when he put it on my heart and gave me the picture of Moses and David, he showed me. He said with Moses, he said his mother gave him up as a child because she knew that it had she kept him, he would have died. So she pushed him off, and it was by the grace of God that Moses was raised by the pharaohs. Moses was a Hebrew boy raised as an Egyptian. He did not look like them, but he spoke like them. In his heart of hearts, even though he learned their customs and their ways, Eventually, as he got old enough, they eventually told him, hey, look, you're not one of us. We had to adopt you because you were floating in a river. So to Moses, uh, he may have had this impression that, why did my parents give me up? So eventually, Pharaoh and them told him, hey, this is where your mother is. This is where she lives because eventually, if you look back, in the Old Testament, and in Moses' time, it said that Moses had went back to his mom. He went back to his home to go visit. Imagine you being 20 years old, 21 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old, even 40 years old, and they tell you, you know what? We're not really your parents. You're adopted. That's pretty much saying to somebody, Everything that you've been living, everything that we've been teaching you is a lie. And not only that, as Moses was growing up in the house of the Pharaohs, and they was rich, and they was wealthy, and with the Pharaohs, they were like the kings and the queens. Whoever their sons and daughters was had had to take uh, the throne and, and everything, had to take precedence when, when their parents died. So eventually the topic came up. Moses was like, well, if I'm in this household, then why can't I take the throne? Why can't I do this? And they probably teach him, oh, you're not really an Egyptian. You're just a Hebrew boy. Look at you. You don't even look like us. Because the Egyptians and in the, in, in, in the Pharaohs, and in, 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 I mean the Egyptians and the Hebrews and the Pharaohs look totally different. Their features were different. Their skin tone and skin color was different. Their eyes, their bone structures was different. Eventually, Moses had to realize that, you know what, they're right. How come I look different? How come my skin tone isn't like them? So eventually, to make a long story short, Moses ended up finding out who he really was. And Moses developed anger issues. But Moses also had a stuttering problem. He had a speech impediment. Meaning there was something going on with him psychologically that made him not speak that well. Because what happened in between him being shipped off by his mom and growing up as an adult, we'll probably never know, but we knew that something happened. We knew that Moses had a lot of anger issues. But as a kid and as a young adult, that anger served him. Moses knew how to fight. He knew how to speak. He knew customer courtesy. Moses wouldn't let you run over him. Moses knew how to use his authority. He used that anger for his advantage. And that's how God showed Moses 
that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. And the anger served Moses for a purpose. But as Moses got older, that same thing that he used as a kid to survive as an adult, it almost killed him. Because if you know the story of Moses, as you know, Moses eventually went back home. God called Moses to lead the, uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt, the same place Moses was raised. He had to, to free the people from the people who came from. Because he knew the lingo. He knew the ballads. He knew this because God was going to use that. But check this out. As Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and out of the same hands of the people who raised them and loved them as their own, there were a few moments in time in history where we saw that Moses' anger did not work out for the best of him. And the last time Moses got angry, it was too late. When God told Moses to go up on the mountain and, 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 and fellowship with him and write the Ten Commandments, and God wrote it on a tablet of stone, the first time God told Moses about his people, he got angry and broke the tablet. And God says, okay, your anger is getting the best of you, but you know what? I'll write the Ten Commandments on the tablets again. So God wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets a second time. And was Moses still furious at the children of Israel? Because now Moses was taking too long. So, so they were melting gold and making calves and worshiping this and, and doing all kinds of wayward things because they thought that Moses was taking too long and they started to quit and they were going back to the wicked ways of how they grew up and with the things that they were around when they were slaves to the Egyptians. So Moses displayed that anger that time. And there was a few other times when Moses displayed his anger, but there was one time, this last time, when Moses displayed his anger, and it almost took him out. God gave Moses a commandment. And instead of doing what God asked Moses to do, Moses got angry and kicked the rock. And God says, I did not tell you to do that. And he got angry because he became self-righteous. And God says, because you are disobedient, because you allowed your emotions and your anger to get the best of you, and you went against my very word, God says, Moses, you will not enter into the promised land. And from that day forward, God stuck to his promise that he made to Moses, and Moses died before they got to go to a land that flowed with milk and honey. Why did God cut Moses off? Why couldn't God give Moses the, the chance that he gave him when he was a teenager, when he was a young adult? when he was up under the Egyptians, even in the beginning when he was first leading the, the children of Israel out of Egypt, when they were going through the wilderness, why didn't God give him one more chance? Because God was showing us as his children, looking through the eyes and through the story of Moses, God said that, 
the very thing that you use to survive as a kid will not always work as an adult. Because God says, although I make all things work out together for the good, meaning I can take a bad situation and make it right. I could I could take a mistake and make it a blessing. I could take a mess and make it into a message. I could take the poor and make them into the rich. Why does God have a timeline? I'll tell you why. Because God is saying, I've been with you too long for you to still keep doing the same things over and over and over and over. And I know it sucks. And you're like, man, God, why can't you just give me one more chance? But God is saying to you this day, even if I gave you another chance, why can't you at this time do what I asked you to do? Why can't you grow into the, the person and the woman of God and the man of God like I asked you to? God says, I keep giving you grace, but when are you going to give me what I asked you for? Because we can ask God for mercy. We can ask him for grace. We can ask him for love. And he gives it, and he gives it willingly. He gives it unbegrudgingly, but God is saying, you ask me for what you want, and I give it. But God says, this is not a one-way relationship. Why can't you give me what I ask for? I ask you to put away the anger motive. I ask you to become fully obedient, not half obedient, not partial, not three-quarters of the way. God says, I am requiring more of you. Why can't you do what I asked you to do? If you look at the story of Moses, and you look at from the time he was a kid, from the time where he died, you can see how God gave him grace after grace after grace after grace. He let anger to win. He let anger to do this. He let anger to do that. But eventually God said, Enough is enough. God was telling Moses, you're not going to enter this promised land with the old carnal ways. Because what God wanted for his people and his children of Israel when they entered into the promised land, God says, I wanted their minds to be renewed. I wanted their ways to be cleansed. It's, it's, it's kind of like that saying where 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 Jesus said you can't put new wine into old wineskins because if you did it at first. You gotta put new wine in new wineskins and God was saying, I wanna put a fresh set of people into a fresh set of land. So why do you have to release the strongholds from your mind? Because God is saying to you to say, I got a lot in store for you. Do you want it or not? God says, I called you to a lot. I called you to ministry. I called you to write the books. I called you to be the CEO. I called you to have the job. I called you to have the friendships. I called you to have the connections. 
But God is saying, you can't have what it is that I've called you to. You can't be who I've called you to be with the old generational curses. The story of David. When David was young, he was considered the black sheep of the family. His father never really considered him for anything, and he was considered the outcast. When David's father was inquired of the prophet Samuel to pull his sons together, because the Samuel said, which is the prophet, God has anointed one of your, your sons to be king. So he gathered all his sons. He gathered all of his sons except David. And Samuel said, no, this is none of these. Do you have another son? And then they pulled David from, from out from the back. David wasn't even in the house when Samuel first set foot in the house because David wasn't even considered. Like I said, I already gave you my guys' thoughts on how I think David grew up. I think that either he was uh, a child out of wedlock, maybe his mother had uh, him out of a different relationship, or something happened to where David was the least likely in the household to be considered. And he was a lot smaller than the rest of his brothers because his brothers were military trained. They they were built. They had stature. They had physique. Most, uh, king David did it. Or rather, David did it at that time before he was king. David wasn't even considered. I mean, he was always treated as a black sheep of the family, except the stepchild of the family, the red-headed stepchild of the family, so David had a lot of abandonment issues, and he had anger issues, but he had more abandonment issues and relational issues than Moses had anger issues. But guess what? God still used it to work for the good because God knew that David loved him. But eventually, eventually, David's ways got the best of him. And I'll tell you why. David had abandonment issues, but he had a relationship with God. But he was a little messed up. David was one of those men in the Bible where he was so lustful and he was so broken, but yet he was so strong in the Lord. And you're thinking, how can you be so strong in the Lord and be so broken? When you suffer abandonment issues as a child, when you suffer childhood trauma from your parents who are supposed to be your guardian and your nurturers, and it pushes you towards God, you get to know God probably more than you get to know yourself. And that's probably what was David's issue. He knew God better than he knew himself. So David grew up with abandonment issues, with validation issues. So yeah, did God use him? Of course, because David was very strong. David was very confident in God. David was probably a little arrogant and cocky, because why? David knew how to kill a bear with his own hands. He knew how to kill a lion with his own hands. He killed Goliath, and he was talking mess to Goliath, saying, you don't defy the living armies of God. Who are you? He says, I'll kill you, chop your head off, and feed it to your family. In a nutshell is what he was saying. But David was very cocky, very confident. It was a mixture and David took that with him 
throughout his life. And did it get the best of him in certain situations? Yes. Did it not in others? Absolutely. Because no matter how much King Saul chased David, David would never kill King Saul because David would say, I will not touch God anointed. But later on down the line, David got to a place when he became king eventually, and he sat in that seat long enough. The power started getting to him. The money started getting to him. The riches started getting to him. Why? Because David never properly healed all the way. Because it was work, 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 work. War after war. Battle after battle. Defeat after defeat. David, out. King David probably is one of those people in the Bible who he probably killed the most people out of probably a lot of those people, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Now, I could be wrong, but David killed a lot of people in his days before he was king and while he was king. And David had a way about him that eventually got him because David didn't deal with the strongholds in his mind. Because he never fully healed from his abandonment issues as a kid. But did God still use him? He did. But there was one point in David's life where God says, no, I am not going to allow you to keep going this way. I am not going to allow your destructive behavior to mess up the call that I have on your life. Because God even said no to King David because God told King David at some point, he says, I'm not going to continue to allow you to be so destructive that you make a mockery out of me in the word that I spoke of your life. There was a point in David's life when he was king, when he wasn't where he was supposed to have been. And he was sent back, or not sent back because he was king, so no one can send him. But David stayed behind during one of the battles in which he should have been on a battlefield. That lets you know when you're not where you're supposed to be. Right? Because what did I say earlier in this podcast? Where the mind goes, the man follows. There was something in David's mind that says, you should stay behind this war. Because if God, if, if David would have been out on the front line like he was supposed to as a king leading his people, he would have never been home while Bathsheba was on a roof of the other house taking a bath. And he would have never saw her. And he would have never lusted after her. Because remember I told you, David had abandonment issues and he had lust issues and he had a little bit of anger issues. But not as nearly as Moses did. So a long story short. King David at the time saw Bathsheba, and he took her at, at, at he took her against her own will. And I want to say he raped her, so I'm going to say he raped her, and he because the Bible said that she went unwillingly, meaning he used his positional power to make her come to him. Because why? David's mind was somewhere else. What was the stronghold in David's mind that made him go? You know what? I'm going to take someone else's wife. I'm going to sleep with her because she looks good. I want sex. I'm going to rape her. 
the loving, beautiful man, King David, did this. The man who can who can kill bears with his bare hands and lions with his bare hands and, and, and kill a giant with a slingshot. And he can kill his 10,000. And he can defeat armies of strong men being of a small stature. But David couldn't defeat his lust. So David took Bathsheba out of her own, against her own will. Eventually, she conceived his baby. And the baby was born. And God did not let that baby live. And David got on his face and on his knees. And he fasted. And he prayed. And he put on ashes and, and sackcloth, with, you know, which is their customs back in the days. And God did not budge. God said that this baby shall not live. And eventually David had to accept the will of God that what he had brought to come to pass out of his lust, out of his cockiness, out of his arrogance, out of his positional power, God says that this can no longer be. What happens when God tells you no? What happens when God says that the very thing that used to survive as a kid, the very thing that you used to get away with as a kid, you will no longer get away with as an adult? What happens when God starts telling you, no, I need you to grow up. I need you to become better. I need you to start dealing with the things on the inside of you. I need you to start dealing with that brokenness. I need you to start dealing with that abandonment. I need you to start releasing the strongholds in your mind because because God is saying it's not that I don't have enough grace and power to overcome who you are on the inside. God said it's not that I'm not more powerful enough to overcome you, but God is saying I love you enough to let you walk in what's called free will. But God is saying I also love you enough I also love you enough to call you to better, to call you to a greater purpose. And God is saying that greater purpose is going to require certain things to be broken off of you. But God is saying you've got to get that out of your mind. You forgave. I talked about it in my other podcast on on, on um, the topic of forgiveness. I talked about releasing a church hurt. I talked about prayer changes things. And now God wanted me to hit it home with, you forgave. You released certain things. You surrendered to my will. You've done X, Y, and Z. But God is saying now, the real battle is the battle in your mind. Because you can forgive somebody all day long. You can forgive a group of people all day long. You can forgive yourself all day long. But God is saying, when the walls and the stronghold is built up in your mind, you're going to keep repeating the same pattern. For instance, 
you you can forgive your ex abuser. Let's say you were in an um, abusive relationship, and someone whether they abused you verbally, mentally, emotionally, physically, you forgave them. You let go of the relationship. You've never returned to them, but it's been thirty years. You forgave them, but you remember. You remember everything that they did to you, and you're still angry with them, but you say you forgave them. It's the same thing. God is saying it's the same thing. The stronghold in your mind, you've got to release it. God is saying the things that you built up in your mind, the walls, the thoughts, the things that you think is right, the debris, this is part of the healing process. Because God is saying, once you forgive, there's going to be another door that's going to open up. You're going to feel lighter. You're going to feel freer. You're going to be able to think more clearly. But God is saying, there's still some things that he has to fine-tune in your life. And he says, that's the stronghold in your mind. And God is saying, you want to get into a relationship. You want to get married. You desire to have kids. You desire to, to, to publish the books and, and, and be on these certain platforms. But God is saying, if you don't get healed completely, if you don't loosen the stronghold in your mind, God is saying your, your, your mind is going to mess up what it is that you're trying to get to. Because you can be the best-selling author with the worst attitude ever, and nobody's going to want to work with you. Why? Because the negative things you have in your mind that is, that is, 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 is um, activating you to have a nasty attitude. God is saying you can break up with all the ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends that you want to, but God is saying if you don't change your mind, on the outlook of love if you don't change your mind on the outlook of yourself he says the next relationship that you're going to get into he says you're going to sabotage that relationship because you're not healed and the stronghold is not broken down in your mind he said you're going to get into the next relationship and everything that they do is going to trigger you because you have not dealt with your triggers which is a stronghold in your mind. So I say all this to say, as you're thinking about releasing a stronghold in your mind, I want you to pray and ask God to show you exactly what it is that is a stronghold in your life. A stronghold is...